This week's episode is sponsored by Baytul Mal. Baytul Mal provides life-saving, life-sustaining, and life-enriching humanitarian aid to underserved populations around the world, regardless of faith or nationality. Assalamu alaikum, and welcome to another episode of the Remastered Podcast. I'm your host, Munira Madison, and today I'm joined by a very special guest, Hiba Al-Haddad, and we're talking about self-love and the importance of having a relationship with yourself. How are you doing today, Hiba? So glad you're joining us. Doing great. Thank you. How are you doing? Alhamdulillah. I'm so, I'm so happy to be discussing this topic, but for our listeners who may not be familiar with your work, Hiba received her undergraduate degree from UC Irvine in psychology of social science, later earned a master's degree in clinical psychology, and is currently pursuing her doctorate degree in clinical psychology with California Southern University. Mashallah. Hiba is an affiliate of the Stanford Muslim Mental Health Lab, which focuses on providing resources for clinicians, researchers, and community leaders working with the Muslim population. Believing that prevention is superior to intervention, she has worked on promoting awareness on a wide spectrum of topics through seminars, workshops, and lectures through her previous role as a mental health instructor at Kaiser Permanente and currently as a Khalil Center practitioner serving Zaytuna College. Hib is part of a group of clinicians and scholars who contributed to publishing the new text on the TIIP model that stands for Traditional Islamically Integrated Psychotherapy, entitled Applying Islamic Principles to Clinical Mental Health Care for Muslim Practitioners Nationwide. Masha'Allah, Sister Hiba, that's a tremendous amount of work and how you're contributing to really uh, revamping mental health and how we think about it in our community is so vital. Jazakallah khair for all the work that you've been doing. Thank you so much. So today we're talking about self-love, self-care, really getting to know oneself. Let's start off, why is this important? Especially like as Muslims, why is this an important topic? Yeah, thank you, Munira. Um, You know, I beginning um, in my master's program when I had to do my residency hours. Um, I think it really highlighted for me why this topic was important because one of the first cases that I encountered was with um, a middle-aged, you know, client who had um, a very uh, turbulent relationship with herself and uh, it got to the point of, you know, suicidal ideation and um, as a result of a relationship that she was involved in that didn't work out and so it was to that point right a relationship doesn't work out so therefore I'm not worthy I'm not good enough and there's no point in me living or continuing to 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 live and so it really got me thinking from that point on and and you know um when we view individuals in the world and then we think about our relationship with ourselves as well so many things will will bring that out of you or will make you think about that, you know, that relationship with self. And when, you know, you look at, um, I think it's really important when we think about self-love, we also think about the beginning of, of our creation yeah. and how we were created and how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala perceives us because we are his creation. And, you know, when I when I think about anything that we make, right whether and it might be as simple as a dish that you make for your family and loved ones or something that you create by hand Mm. and the more time that you put into it 
it's 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 kind of a, a by default you're gonna really love that thing that you put so much time and energy and effort into and i think you know subhanallah it's understanding that you can't you can't self you can't love yourself if we don't know how we were created by allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and i think um when we think about like the creation of bani adam right in when allah subhanahu wa ta'ala you know, states in Surah Saad, Ayah 75, oh, at least what prevented you from prostrating unto the one that I created with, with my two hands. And that is only reserved for, for the human being. That, you know, that effort and that, you know, uh, attention to like detail and, you know, is only, uh, that's the way that the human being is distinguished from all other creation. And we know that it's not literal, of course, but it just um, signifies how much uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves us and how much Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has, um, how much effort Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has put into our creation. And so it's it's thinking about that and, you know, understanding that that first and foremost, you know, if Allah loves us that much, then we are also instructed to love that which Allah loves exactly and so all comes full circle like allah loves you know allah loves us a lot you know created us and and he references it as created man with my two hands um even though we don't attribute allah to having hands but it's just it just gives you that sense of meaning that wow you know we're we're really loved and and cared for by our creator and so therefore if allah loves us then we must love ourselves and yeah, it's like this whole, you know, so much can be said about that, but I think we have to beginning point. Yeah, I mean, that's such a beautiful connection because oftentimes I hear this struggle, you know, in, today with, okay, can I really love myself and really take care of myself and really love God? And to see that connection um, between honoring Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by learning more about ourselves and loving ourselves, it reminds me of the quotation, um, you know, to know oneself is to know God. Mm-hmm. And I often take that back to like, w- love oneself is to love God or to love God is to love oneself rather. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I think like the confusion that comes in, you know, it, your current research is on postmodernism and its impact on the field of psychology. You work a lot with Muslim populations and Muslim youth particularly as well. So do you feel that postmodernity has impacted our understanding of self-love and kind of destroyed it almost in a way where we feel that it is uh, the opposite of yeah. learning to love God? That's a really important question because what I'm seeing, um, and of course, none of what I say is definitive, you know, but I'm just speaking to what I see um, in my work and in my research and in my studies, et cetera. And I think each person has a different vantage point. When we bring it all together, it, it forms a com- more complete picture. But I think just from my perspective, I think postmodernity and the postmodernist agenda um, really externalizes this concept of of self-love and self-care right and what i mean by that it's like oh you know if you love yourself then you're going to go get that 500 massage and you're going to go get that mani pedi and you're going to go and indulge in some chocolate cake and it's all about indulgence 
right? Um, and the more that I love myself, the more that I indulge. And what that actually ends up doing is you're feeding that aspect of you that's the nafs and not the ruh. Yeah, you're feeding that capitalistic ideology, exactly. right? Exactly, that lower self, that lowly self. Yeah. Uh, because subhanAllah, um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created us, you know, Imam Zay Checker talks about this is in an article in Renovatio and he states that, you know, the human being is also distinguished because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created the human being to be upright. Uh, and not and and we have animals that that stand on two feet, but their torso is like facing down, and so we are you know upright, and then our torso is also facing um, is is also upright, and then also your heart is is facing outwards, and so you know when we greet one another, we have a metaphysical connection because your heart is facing me and my heart is facing you, and so when when we embrace one another as brothers and sisters. Um, there's that love and metaphysical connection. And so I say that to say that we have this non-physical reality of sociability. And that is, you know, it accompanies that physical distinction of Allah creating us upright. But there's a whole metaphysical aspect of us that isn't addressed by postmodernism. Right. And it, it's like, you know, it's, it's my spiritual heart and what it is that I'm feeding and it's very also um, the more you indulge, um, it's it's you know more more in a sense of what what part of me am I feeding, yeah. what part of me is growing, and is that what I want to invest in? Is that what I want to grow? And it's kind of like why would you invest in growing weeds instead of investing in growing the flowers and the plants? Um, and so that's exactly what happens is I'm feeding the wrong aspects of me, and yes, we have a need. Um, for food and drink and connection. And, and that's why I was talking about the sociability, right? Is because we, we have that need for connection, but not just physical connection with a partner or a loved one, um, like as in a spouse or, or your, your family. But you also have a need for, you know, that, that ruh, you know, connecting with that self first and foremost yeah. is being connected to my source. You know, it's kind of like, you know, you want to charge your 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 iPhone, and you know when you're far away from the charger, it you know the connection kind of dies out in certain areas, and then the closer that I am to the to the source of connection, the more I light up and the more I come to life and the more alive that I am, and so a lot of things about this world, the more you indulge, the more you become disconnected from self, which is my ruh, which is. Um, you know, what Allah blows into us from his spirit. So that is the soul aspect. So, you know, it's it's this part of us that we wouldn't be alive without the ruh. The ruh is this essence um, or latifa rabbaniya that actually brings you to life. And if I take that, you are deceased. You are no longer alive. You're no longer functioning. Um, and so, so much of this world like disconnects us from the ruh. And yes. brings us more into this world, like you were saying, like that materialism, capitalistic um, type of uh, world. Right. And we are we become like so fragmented, and we lose a sense of what is my purpose? Why am I here? Um, and we think we have all the time in the world, and you know we fall into one thing, and then you know it's it's onto the next thing, and onto the third thing, and so you start to drown. 
Um, and ultimately what happens is that, is that disassociation from self. And I, and when I, when I refer to self, it's really the ruh. And actually, I think, like, you know, as you were describing this disassociation, I think because we have this distorted idea of self-love and self-awareness, I mean, not even self-awareness, right? It stops at self-love and indulgence. Yeah. Uh, that really disconnects us from being fulfilled by what is truly fulfilling and understanding that that is truly fulfilling. Um, so SubhanAllah, I just... I, I see oftentimes this cycle going where someone feels unworthy and they don't have self-love. Um, and so they feel unworthy of God's love. And so they stop practicing or they stop, you know, praying or attending the masjid. And in reality, based off of what you just said, that's exactly the opposite of what we should be doing to return to self. So for those who are out there who are feeling really down on themselves right now, what are some first steps that they can take that will lead them to a path of true self-love? There's something really important to take into consideration when, when you talk about that um, in the sense of, you know, feeling unworthy and, and feeling a lack of love. And something to really explore is where does that inner critic come from? Mm. Why does that voice speak to you that way? Um, and why isn't it a loving voice, a nurturing voice? Why is it a love that is filled with so much criticism and harshness and self-loathing and hatred? Right. Um, and I always invite people to kind of go back to their childhood for this sake. I, it's not important always to explore your childhood for certain things and certain aspects, but in certain aspects, it's it's wise because you come to an understanding as to how did I get here and why am I filled with so much hate towards myself right. and can't I love myself what is this barrier and why is this barrier so high and so it's just inviting people to reflect on how were you spoken to as a child from your earliest memories that you can recall or conjure up and you know how were you loved how did you understand as a person that I am loved. You know, my parents love me, my caregivers love me. Um, whoever it is that takes care of me really loves and cares for me. How did you understand that? Right. And that is something really important to ask yourself because a lot of people, especially in, in our cultures, our love was very service oriented. Mm -hmm. So it's very external in the sense of, you know, if, if your mom cooks for you and cooks for the family, that was her saying, I love you. Exactly. Yeah. And you matter, right? And it's like, and if my dad went to work and exhausted himself and, you know, just, you know, came back at the end of the day, he just didn't have any energy to be present with you mm -hmm. as a father. Maybe that was his way of telling the family that I love you and I care for you because this is why I'm, you know, um, you know, exposing myself to, to, to this or, or putting myself in that type of situation that may not be really rewarding. We didn't, I don't think our parents ever spoke of their jobs as something that was so rewarding and something that they loved and that they really enjoyed. It was really more of this thing that I have to do this for the sake right. of my family. Um, and that was, you know, more of like the first generation here in the U.S. Right. And Showing love through sacrifice and obligation. Yes. Exactly. And you hear this from moms too. I sacrificed my whole life for you guys. Mm -hmm. And here you are not appreciating anything. And all I get back from you is like criticism and, you know, 
et cetera, et cetera. And so it's like this whole narrative that I'm sure so many people who are listening can, can it resonates with them and they can relate to. And so I think it's, it, that's the first step is understanding why, because what happens is when you're spoken to by a caregiver or a parent in a certain way, and oftentimes it's, it's critical, um, it's a little harsh because it's like tough love. Again, that's so dominant in our cultures. Um, and it's very different than what parents of today are being taught. Mm-hmm. And you have to unlearn so much of that and relearn um, how to express love in a very different way. And, and that's a big part of like why you see such a big emphasis on healing. Mm-hmm. So it's healing from that harshness, healing from so much criticism that they intended to be loved, but you received as I'm not good enough. Right. Because they always spoke to me in this way. Wow. I must be really bad or I must not be smart enough. Right. Because they always, I come to them with A's and they're like, but why didn't you get an A plus? Right. And so it's like a lot of that. And so you bring that voice that you were spoken to as a child, you bring it in house Mm -hmm. and then it becomes your own inner voice. Exactly. And like, yeah. Go ahead. That's the problem. Like that's where the problem lies oftentimes. Yeah. Internalizing that. I love the fact that you mentioned unlearning um, because that path of like self discovery and healing and awareness is really, it'll lead you to a lot of unlearning um, through reflection. And the fact that you said like, go back to your childhood and reflect, reflect on your relationship with your parents, even though it was really good. Like for myself, when I started like self-healing work and things like that, I really felt guilty for actually reflecting on my upbringing because I had a wonderful childhood. And then I started realizing, oh, well, my parents are humans too. And my teachers are humans too, or your spouse is a human too. And these are the things that I learned and internalized from them. And these are the things I need to unlearn to have a healthy relationship with myself. Why you're unlearning and granted, there's a lot of abuse, et cetera, right? So we're not talking mm-hmm. that category because I think that category means mm-hmm. a whole other, you know, uh, <laughs> talk in and of itself. But yes, in order to get some kind of justice, but I think, yeah, it's, it's really understanding that everybody that I engage or interact with in my life and will encounter is a human being before they are anything else. Mm-hmm. So you're a human before you're a mother, you're a human before you're uh, a, a doctor, you're a human before you're a lawyer, before you are. Uh, a parent, um, whatever it is, you're human first. And a, as a human, you have needs, you have deficiencies, you have strengths, you have, you know, talents and, and certain capacities and abilities. And I think as children, you don't realize that you don't realize that my parents have their own capacity. My parents have their own struggles. Right. And so when you receive criticism or harshness from them, what a child knows how to do is it doesn't start hating the parent. The child doesn't hate the parent, the child, it actually becomes inverted and you become, you start to hate yourself. Yeah. So you think something's wrong with me, right? Because as a child, you don't know how to reason, you know, and, and think critically about things. And so you, you don't usually hate the parent, but you just start to loathe. And, and that's where the self-loathing kind of, you know, originates. Right. So this yeah. path to self-love, like true self-love, I'm hearing that it really starts with self-awareness and really diving into learning yourself first and foremost, having that reflection, and then it evolves into self-love. How so? 
And so, so it's, you know, understanding also that uh, reinterpreting, I think a, part, a big part of therapy too is narrative development. And mm-hmm. what that means is it's really all about how you interpret what happened to you. So I meet certain individuals and they go through tragedies, right, in their lives, much bigger than your mind can kind of fathom or, or, or grapple with. And they yet they interpret it as not a bad thing that all of this happened to me. They interpret it as this is what makes me as strong as I am today. This is what actually got me to um, getting the position that I'm in. Right. Like a growth mindset approach. Exactly. As opposed to a fixed mindset, as Carol Black talks about in her book, it's really, oh, you know, like victimizing. And when you victimize, which our prophet actually never did. And that's very liberating because that's where the self comes in. Like I hold myself to account and not in a harsh way, but in a very compassionate way. Like, hey, this is the human side of me. And I know I didn't do the best. I didn't do a good job. I really messed up. And I really wronged the other person. I really wronged myself. But it's understanding that, you know, we have to have that compassion for self because we are human and it's really the affliction of being a human being, first and foremost. Yeah. It's never going to be perfect. I'm always going to have mess ups. I'm always going to fall. But the key is understanding how can we make it better next time? What didn't I like about what I did? Mm-hmm that I can actually improve upon. And maybe I can consult with this person. Maybe I can learn this. Maybe I can polish the heart mm-hmm. in way through this dhikr or through this you know, type of practice. And this is where really what we're talking about is muraqaba and muhasaba. And the whole process of tazkiyah. Exactly. Self-purification yeah. of the heart. And because the heart does gather dust inevitably as a result of being in this world. And so in addition to the world kind of having this fragmenting effect, mm-hmm. it also, your heart does gather stains and dust, et cetera. And it, it needs frequent spring cleaning, um, you know? And, and so it's, it's really thinking about it in that way is understanding that I have to have that self-compassion. And I think right. it's shifting from self-esteem because there's a lot of these there's a lot of emphasis on having high self-esteem but there's actually research studies that show that there are criminals who actually have really high self-esteem that makes sense (laughs) yeah and it's like is that really what we should be teaching kids in school is just having high self-esteem because that's on achievement right like confident self-esteem okay what about self-worth self-value yeah I think now that the emphasis is on um, moving it more in the direction of self-compassion, because if I'm authentically compassionate with self, and we see that exemplified in in the Prophet's life, I saw some, he had compassion for himself in certain incidents, for example, like when Wahshi killed his uncle, um, you know, uh, Hamza, and he he forgave Wahshi when Wahshi decided to convert to Islam. But then he also told him, but I, I, I'm not, I can't see you again, right? So I forgive you and you are more than welcome into the folds of the faith. But it doesn't mean that I have to subject myself to seeing you over and over and over again, because that's re-traumatization. Boundary setting right there in the Sira. But you don't take it to an extreme. Where it's like I set boundaries with everything. Again, that's more postmodernist, right? That's what we were talking mm-hmm. about. Is making you fragile and not resilient. 
Because if I shut everything out, my parents are toxic and my sisters and brothers are toxic and my husband is toxic and you know what? Everything is toxic. Right. Then what begins to happen is that I start to fear everything because I start to have this inner belief that I can't handle anything or that my ability to handle things is so low. Yeah. So you know what? I actually just become very isolated. Yeah. You know, based on that hadith that you're not supposed to be isolated and on your own. You need to actually be with the mainstream, mainstream uh, ummah, you know, the main ummah, because you're much easier to target by, by Satan when you're kind of the lone sheep. Yeah. And so it's really important to stay with the ummah, even with all of its deficiencies and, you know, idiosyncrasies and all of that. So it's just no, no, no person is going to be perfect. And when I'm self-compassionate, I understand that first and foremost about myself. Mm. And like Imam Al-Ghazali says, oh my eye, all men have eyes. So if you're so good at picking out the defects and flaws of other people, you know, other people can also see your defects and flaws, but maybe they just don't tell you. Right. Maybe they fear telling you. Maybe, you know, you know, you are very overly defensive. Maybe you don't even give people an opportunity because you're so avoidant in your personality. And so people can't even talk to you. Mm-hmm. And that's another thing is you become so fragile that people have to constantly walk on eggshells around you. Right. Oh, I can't talk to her this way because she gets really upset. And she said, I can't use that word with her because. Right. And, and, and it's not at all to put down boundaries because we have boundaries in Surah Al-Nur. We have boundaries all over the Quran. But it's, it's really within moderation, just so that I don't handicap myself. And with compassion, like you said, it goes back to compassion and understanding and really a level of self-awareness that you're not necessarily, you know, putting boundaries, like you said, oh, you like you get a car, you get a car, you're toxic, you're toxic. Not like that, but really understanding the impact of the relationship or the circumstance on you and setting a healthy boundary compassionately. And I'm sure people are wondering, does that mean nobody's toxic? And that's not the case because we know throughout the Quran that, you know, there are certain personalities that we were, um, you know, through through the stories that were revealed mm-hmm. throughout the Quran. And, and it's interesting because it's revealed as, as stories because that's what appeals to human beings in the human mind. It's been proven is you relate to things more when they're really, you know, it's narrated as a story. And so we know through the examples of, of Fir'aun and, you know, so many examples throughout the Quran that, you know, but Allah still commanded Musa to speak to him kindly. So even with those who are quote unquote toxic, how do I, inter- how do I engage with them? How do I interact with them? You don't, you know, of course, this is based on your capacity. You know, some, some individuals were, were greatly abused. And at that point, you really have to put up your boundaries. You know, you have to protect yourself because you know that's part of your obligation to self part of self-love is learning how to honor myself yeah as opposed to vainly just holding myself in high regard as Mm -hmm. though I'm untouchable so learning how to honor oneself instead of holding one vainly in self-regard I love that because that's what we're taught by the society is you know you're beautiful and, and and you're you're amazing you're fantastic and you know, and yes, you are all of those things because you, obviously by default because of who created you. Right. But at the same time, don't also be blinded from looking at yourself 
through real through a realistic lens through through the lens of reality and that is i also have my weaknesses and i can't be blinded from seeing that you know but when i'm vain i can't see that right so it's honoring self is knowing when to draw the line in a loving way like i can't let this in i can't let this person close to me mm-hmm. but if i allow them to be close to me i'm going to be harmed again and a lot obligates me to protect myself because it's it's a means of honoring this very valuable ruh that is a part of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so you have to protect it exactly but it's also at the same time my walls are not so high that if this person changes i'm not even able to give them a second opportunity a second chance right so it's like you know it's just finding that balance and that balance looks different for each person based on their own personal experiences it's it, we're not talking here about this is what works for everybody but what we are seeing is just raising awareness about the topic in general and then each person can take it and say well how does this apply to me exactly yeah and that's all that it is really yeah and you're really i mean when when we look at even like you said boundary setting compassionately when we look at all of these things even learning ourselves reflecting on our past reflecting on our current relationships and circumstances you know it, it can seem overwhelming and it can seem really confusing. And I think that's really where, like you said, Marakaba, you know, Tarbiya and Taskiya really come in. So if somebody has really never ventured on the path of like Taskiya or Tarbiya, it's something they've heard about, they've attended halakas, they're going to their masjid, they're engaged in their community, but they're like, okay, how do I take the first step to really venture into true self-awareness and self-love through the through these forms of worship and understanding what do you have any resources or do you have any steps that you would suggest to those listening Um, and one of the things you know at Khalid Center for example the reason why it was called Khalid Center is because each one of us is intended to be a Khalid to the individual that I'm working with and a Khalid is one of the highest forms of, of of an intimate companion you get to know someone on a very uh, close, close and intimate level, um, and they actually bear everything you know um, that they want to work on to to this khalid, to this individual that is walking alongside them. Mm. So we're not walking ahead of that person; we're walking right next to you. And so, hey, like I understand this is what you're struggling with, right? And you serve as a mirror for that person. Are you seeing things according to how they actually are? Because maybe your self-loathing is on a whole other level that you can't see any of the things that you were blessed with. Right. I see it as your Khalid who's sitting right in front of you. I see the ways that in which you're immensely talented. I see the things that you're so good at. I, I hear what you talk about in your stories, et cetera. And just the way that you present yourself because you tell on yourself without even having to say a word. Mm-hmm. By the way that you carry yourself, by your posture, by the way that you dress, by the way that you speak, your style. And so there's so much that you that that speaks for you without you having to really introduce and speak for yourself and so or or share yourself. And so I think the biggest thing that is so helpful is whether it's a therapist, um, and ideally it's someone who is psychospiritual, who has a psychospiritual understanding, because then they can really play that role of of a khanil. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, or, or an, an 
a therapist who is non-Muslim, but it has a really good understanding and grasp of your faith and how important it is for you. Um, or a really close mentor. And I think every human being has to have a mentor. Yes, definitely. I don't care, I don't care how high you climb on the ladder of success and achievements and accolades and all of that. Every single individual has to have a mentor because without a mentor, um, the way the human mind works is that success builds on upon another, builds upon another, builds upon another, and then it starts to get to your head. And then society doesn't help either because society is like, you're so amazing, you know, mashallah, you know, you know I've never encountered someone who's like you. And, and it's like, they're trying, they mean well, and it's so appreciated because you also need that feedback, but within um, limits too. And I, and I society doesn't really have limits especially with social media oh my gosh (laughs) go look at the comments section and 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 you'll see how that can be so detrimental for the human mind and the psyche and so you start to actually believe that you're above everyone else Hmm. and you know i'm untouchable right and that that actually you know um is a whole topic of you know um thinking about you know, moral licensing, especially for us as Muslims, is that I start to give myself a license to indulge in things that are slightly haram, right? slightly bad. Um, and this is the entry point of shaitan, is that it's okay if you, you know, um, you know, buy all of this stuff, you deserve it right and then it becomes like one thing becomes a bigger thing becomes a bigger thing because the more you feed the nafs the more the nafs grows right and it's really what you feed again it's based based on your diet right and not just the diet of of you know consumption but also like you know con- the consumption of the eyes and the ears and the heart etc yeah so it's like assessing that too and you know it's it's all of these things that you begin to indulge in because you give yourself a license because I've been so good. Right. Or I just gave this talk and raised awareness and all these people come to me and they need my, my advice and they really value it and it's life-changing, it's transformational. And it's like, how can that not get to you <laughs> as a human being? Right. Have a mentor, a mirror for you. They are honest with you because they love you. And you may not appreciate that in a moment, but you will never really regret that later on um, because they're, they're helping you to save yourself. And that's why I love that you are part of publishing the traditional Islamically integrated psychotherapy part. I mean, subhanAllah. Um, I, I could talk with you all day. I'm sure that our listeners really would like to hear even more, um, but we are at our time right now. And I would love to kind of wrap up with some of the takeaways um, that are from coming from this episode, inshallah. Yeah. And I would say that the three takeaways are that understanding that self-love is more about learning how to honor and respect yourself than holding yourself in high regard and, and from a lens of like vanity um, and self-admiration, right? Um, second thing is that the essence of honoring ourselves is is really, and I'll just kind of mention this really briefly by uh, a statement by Ibn al-Qayyim. And he states that when you are defeated, no one will give you victory except your determination and your ability to stand up again 
and carry on is your responsibility. And so understanding that we have a responsibility to care for ourselves because of who created us, right? We have to honor ourselves in that way. We make mistakes, we fall, we pick ourselves up, dust ourselves off and keep going and renew your intentions at every, every phase. And then the third is recognizing the gifts that we've been blessed with, right? And learning that me refining them and, and, and you know, perfecting them as much as I can and, and having standards for myself is a good thing. It's not a bad thing. Um, and recognizing the strengths um, and, and talents and skills and capacity that Allah has given me and not allowing the outside world and their judgments of it to bring me down. No, I, I know who it's from. And because I know who it's from, I honor it regardless. Yes. Because people only, you know, make comments about things that they're often jealous of or insecure about or, you know, want it themselves or because why feel the need to remark, right? And so that's ultimately, uh, that's one of the best forms is recognizing all those blessings within myself and in my life and how it manifests in my life. And that leads me to gratitude and humility as opposed to self-admiration and, and looking at myself from more like from the lens of vanity. Exactly. What a beautiful summary and such applicable takeaways. I think those speak to everyone listening, regardless of their circumstances and where they, this season they are in, in life. This has really been an inspiring conversation, Sister Heba. Thank you so much, Jazakal Khair, for joining us. Where can we check out some of your work? So some of my work is usually, um, you know, through the Khalid Center website, you know, uh, talks and, and, and workshops, et cetera, that I give with our incredible team and, and with other individuals outside in the community as well. Um, and also um, some of my thoughts that I share with the world in case it can be of some benefit is on Hebaisms on Instagram. Hebaisms yeah. on Instagram. How do we spell that? H-E-B-A-I-S-M-S. Awesome. I'm going to follow you today, inshallah. Um, Jazakallah khair once again, Sister Hiba, for joining us. So nice talking to you. I really appreciated your thoughts as well and your feedback. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Well, thank you all for listening to our lovely listeners. This is Munira Madison signing off until next time with the Remastered Podcast. Salam alaikum. This week's episode is sponsored by Baitul Mal. Baitul Mal provides life-saving, life-sustaining, and life-enriching humanitarian aid to underserved populations around the world regardless of faith or nationality.